0: Welcome to Wasted Local Talent. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Wasted Local Talent. I'm Daniel, and a lot has changed since you've last heard me. Um, with the outbreak of uh, the coronavirus and everything, um, things are kind of wild. But uh, I'm recording this from my bedroom. I am self quarantined myself. Um so yeah it's been been kind of a wild couple of weeks um but here at 13 palm trees we're trying to keep content coming to you on a regular regularly scheduled basis um it includes all of our podcasts uh, D&D kind of video game mythos gurus of gaming and the final girl podcast i know that most of us will be doing things remotely and should still be having content out uh weekly or bi-weekly or whatever our typical schedule is so you can keep a keep an eye out for all of our podcasts on all of your favorite podcast apps um, and for anybody who knows us here at Wasted we're dedicated to providing free promotion for West Virginia businesses bands and artists and we've been going for almost two years now and through the COVID-19 and everything that's been going on i know a lot of local bands and businesses and artists have been affected by this so what we're going to be doing here at wasted is we're going to be putting out a special episode and the idea is for any local band business or artist that wants to participate um, you can call us at 304-641-4020 and leave a voicemail and think of it kind of like an ad for your business because what we're doing is we're going to take these voicemails and put them into our recording software and do like a mashup of everybody who wants to participate. So basically whatever you want to say in your ad, the people will hear from you in this episode. So, you know, if you're a local restaurant and you're doing takeout and are able to do takeout, call us, tell us all about what you're doing and leave how people can get in contact with you to place orders. Um, And we'll put that in the episode. If you are a band or an artist and you're doing Facebook Live uh, to help support you with donations and things like that, just call us, tell us what you're doing, tell us where people can find you, and we'll put that in the episode. Um, Pretty much anything that you want to promote for yourself, your business, just call us and that voicemail that you leave us will go into the episode. Um, and we're, we're going to try to put that episode out on Monday, uh, March 30th. So if you want to be involved, uh, again, the phone number is 304-641-4020. That's 304-641-4020. And you can call anytime, day or night. That's my personal cell phone number. Um, I never answer phone calls anyway, so you don't have to worry about me picking up at 3 a.m. and being mad because I'm typically up anyway. Um, but yeah, so we do have a sponsor that I'd like to tell you about. Um, it's 304 Offroad. So check out 304 Offroad for all your side by side parts and accessory needs. From mild to wild builds, they have what you need. They're on Facebook at 304 Offroad or browse their website at 304offroad.com. And before we get into the episode, I want to give a huge shout out to the guys in Worst Kept Secret for letting us use Bender in our intro and outro of all of our episodes. Those guys are great and we're very sad that they have uh, called uh, called it quits. So we'll miss them, but we will try to keep their memory alive with Bender, the best song that they've ever released. If you want to purchase their album, it's still available on iTunes. Just search for Worst Kept Secret and it's pretty good. So you should go check it out. So I think I've talked enough. Um, So let's go ahead and get to Aristotle. What's up, everybody? I'm Daniel. I'm Josiah. And today we're wasting our talent with... Aristotle Jones. So how are you today, sir?
1: Man, I'm great. I'm honestly... uh, I got up... um cleaned up my house and took a shower and, you know, did all that stuff, getting ready for this, and um, I'm stoked just to have a conversation with you guys.
2: Good. Josiah did not
1: shower today. No shower. shower.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I did shower at least this week. So. Yeah, no. So, but I do have some laundry that I need to do. <laughs> hey, you want to, I'll send mine over your way. Okay, yeah. I'll just throw, we'll
1: yeah. throw them in there. Just do everything together. Yeah, yeah. just separate. I'll even separate mine for you. That okay. Would be no, I just
2: all in the same thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cr- crank it to hot. That's how I do it.
1: All right, then, gets the job done. Yeah. <laughs> So, a tide commercial,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, like sidebar. I know that we just got started, and typically this is about twenty minutes in when we get off topic. But those tide commercials for the Super Bowl—I don't know if you watch the Super Bowl—they mm-hmm. were great with, with Charlie, Charlie Day.
2: Uh, Day? Yeah. yeah, those were oh, fantastic. Yeah. It was like a cameo inside of
1: a commercial that was actually for something else. It yeah. was like super meta. Yeah. It was great. It's
2: it's setting in. <laughs> Is it later?
0: Is it later yet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I fixed the stain. <laughs> yeah. So Aristotle, tell us about yourself. <clears throat> oh man, um I'm a
1: singer, songwriter, creative person out of West Virginia. I currently live in Morgantown, West Virginia. Um born in Huntington. Or I was born in Morgantown, but I was raised in Huntington. So I've lived in West Virginia pretty much my whole life and um I make what they call Appalachian soul music and or what I call Appalachian soul music. It's it's more of a feeling than it is like a style. It's when you kind of what you take all these different influences, you get around the area, mix it up into a nice little pepperoni roll, stick it in the <laughs> and yeah. you know what I mean? You get as good and savory mm-hmm. and um, it's unique. And I just like to blend it all together and create new stuff, man. I've always wanted to just create new music, through the filter of mm-hmm. Aristotle, you
0: know? Yeah. I know um, a little bit ago we were sitting here and, um, Josiah got his phone out and just looked up Aristotle Jones on SoundCloud, and he's like, "Is this him?" And it was like a hip hop artist, and I was yeah. like, "Yeah, no, it was... it's not." I was like, "That's not even close." There's this to what, dude what... out of Boston, <laughs> man. And yeah, I that's who like, I clicked on. I was like, "Man, I've
1: been Aristotle Jones my whole life, my whole music career." But I've um, it, it's cool, man. I, and then I wonder if that um, it, hey, big shout outs to all the Aristotle Jones in the world. Man. <laughs> Represent yourself, be yourself. Um, but it was interesting, you know, like because it was it was right before I was putting out this um. My single, and um, I looked up and I was like, okay, here's his um, rapper. And I listened to his stuff, and I like, thought, that's pretty good. And I said, well, man. I wonder if that's like his real name too or if he came up with that and then i said well that's the question everybody always has is that your real name yeah. uh, and so aristotle the other aristotle jones if you're out there is that your real name too man? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah leave us a comment let us know let us know man. that was actually going to be my next question is, <laughs> is aristotle your your real name
1: yeah i mean i was born um my dad wanted a smart rich son so he named me after um aristotle onassis who was a shipping magnate out of greece and um aristotle the philosopher and so
0: and you're playing music
1: and i'm a musician <laughs> yeah i <laughs> I'm, I, I've recently been doing some guided meditations and mm-hmm. one of the things you have to do in your daily affirmations is um, you, you say things like I'm healthy and I'm wealthy and I was like well man I'm good at the first one I feel like I'm in good health and I was like well man I guess my wealth comes through creativity and mm-hmm. through like experience with people and as I go along I'm not saying I'm doing poorly honestly like I looked at I, I took that perspective and I said okay well what is it that I want to be representing my wealth? What do I want to show off? Mm-hmm. And, and really it was um, I wanted to perform a lot this year. I wanted to put out a lot of music. I wanted to connect with a lot of fans. And and it became a different um, type of focus on like what personal wealth is. Like I want to get a lot out of life. I want to, I want to have a full life and not necessarily be worrying about the stuff or the mm-hmm. or the energy that comes with having a lot of stuff. I think it's better just to like experience it, you know?
2: I was just recently listening to uh michael Rosen- Rosenbaum on the i d i t podcast and he talked about he's a creative person as well and how much anxiety he doesn't even realize he has so he he talked about kind of like you he uh wake up and look at yourself in the mirror and say, "Hey man, I love you," and just like putting the positiveness out there and so that's that's kind of cool to see it that you're doing that as well, but he, he talked about how hard that is because he's like, I don't believe that. <laughs> oh, no. Uh,
1: yeah, it's hard. It's tricky. Like, uh, um, I was going through, th- I just started at the beginning of the year. It was really interesting because um, David Haley, who drums in my band, we on these long road trips when we're going to shows, we're always having these, you know, interesting three, four hour in conversations that half people are asleep and here you are, <laughs> yeah. you're just trying to get from point A to point B. Um, but we would talk about meditating in, in different religions and different perspective on different religions and creativity. And he referred this book to me, it's called um, the um, war of art and which essentially, you know, most people are like most capitalists and like people, you know, strategists, business strategists are talking about the art of war and, and generals and everything, you know, and that's, and that tells you how to like, kind of deal with your adversary. Um, well, the war of art is more of the tug of war between you fighting through your resistance to become an artist. Uh, so like, in a, I guess essentially it's like a, the difference between an amateur artist would, and a professional artist would be like your intent with what you go about it at one stage, but at a different stage, it's about being paid too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so like that, that's kind of like the, the, the trippy aspect of it. But um, through these um, books and meditations and conversations you have randomly with your bandmates, you know, I took that at the beginning of the year, and I said, "Okay, well, I'm going to get into spending some time focusing on me and what I want and where I want to go." And so, really, the guided meditations allowed me to go through what I like what I like to call trajectory. I said, "So, I mean, if I can think far enough out, then I'm literally predicting the future. It may not happen that way, but if I go that route with intent." Just like driving from morgantown to fairmont i could have got off at a lot of different exits and took a lot of different roads but if i get back and i know i'm staying true to coming down to your studio then i'm going to get here eventually Mm -hmm. so i can like at the first steps of me moving towards my objective i can actually like not stress out anymore because i'm that at the first step and that's the beauty of it it literally works for anybody because it's the idea of it is every goal every destination has a first step sounds super cliche So it doesn't matter if you want to be the president, if you want to go to the moon, if you want to like run cross country like Forrest Gump, you know, you just got to kind of go through that step and know where you're going to end up and continue along that pathway. And that Mm -hmm. was, um, so that's how I I moved through my creative process. But the, there's a, something called a solar plexus chakra or part of you. And that's um, kind of your, your confidence, your intent, you're in your direction. And that was the hardest affirmation whenever um, I said something like, oh, I'm heading in the right direction. But I'd lined up all this stuff, and I was like, oh, is this it, man? I got this big <laughs> stuff on my plate. Hope this is it. And, that was a, and it was a really weird thing I wasn't ex- expecting to experience because you think, oh, well, I'm grounded, I'm safe, I have food, I'm creative, I have connections with people. Then it was like something simple like that. Oh, I feel like I'm heading the right direction in mm-hmm. life when you're following your dream. And so I really um, took a lot of time to meditate and work on that and reinforce that and, and step outside of just um, – um, just manifesting one specific idea, as opposed to say, "Hey, man, this can happen a lot of different ways." As a matter of fact, it's happen, happening much differently than I originally thought it would happen. So I better get involved and start enjoying this journey along the way, as opposed to just being like, "Oh, I'm not Beyonce yet, man." You know, or, <laughs> you know, the, uh, it's like I'm. Yeah, it, it may never get there. Maybe beyond there, I might end up being like Bill and Ted. You know, what I mean, wild stallions, you know, yeah. it's, just, it's just something crazy that changes the world. Who knows? I might just sing open mics for the rest of my life, mm-hmm. but if I enjoy playing music, and I enjoy the experience of it, then I think I'm going to get way more just wealth out of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: and it's something that you have to enjoy, because it is a grind sometimes, oh. and of course, you always have, uh, whether it's friends or family, and you're saying, okay, this is great, but when are you going to get a real job? Mm-hmm. And then, it, uh, it that's, that's the why worst. you have to believe in yourself, <laughs> yeah. because yeah. sometimes... When it's not going great, you're the only one that does believe in yourself. Well,
1: you're the only one that knows what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, and even in band practice yesterday, we were sitting down and, and I was trying to explain these arrangements for these harmonies. And I would just say what I wanted and then it goes through the filter of the air and then the filter of their ears and then their brain and then out their mouth. And, and so through those three steps of just hearing what I was saying and then trying to reproduce that... It it's we're on a fifth draft already. Yeah. And so it's like you, and then you think, and Dave, he's really, he's a drummer, so he's not singing. He's back are playing drums. Yeah. He goes, because, well, man, you you we should do this a different way. You know, like we should, instead of you trying to sing it for people and then reproduce it, like, let's take a step back and try to, and approach this a different way that's a little bit easier because you know what you want. They're trying to figure out what you want, but every time they but the harmony kept switching like everybody kept switching lines because they would hear somebody else's kind of tune in and mm-hmm. then they would start singing that and then that other person that was better at the first harmony would start harmonizing and so it wasn't exactly what we were trying to get across. It it, it was essentially like I say a fifth draft by the time they were singing it and it started to sound good. Now could we play a show with it and not really um you know would the audience be like oh no that's not exactly what I heard <laughs> yeah. on the um the the ta- the CD or the on your album but at the same time it's like Um, I'm all about letting the audience hear the arrangement right now. Like you Mm -hmm. know, hearing that thing that didn't exist before, that only existed in my head, that I've been living with for Lord knows how long. Getting that out there and allowing that energy in its purest form to to interact with the the fans and to interact with let them interact with their day, and then let that energy just kind of perforate through um, our lives. And maybe it'll get back to me somewhere along the way. Maybe not. Maybe I'll just write more songs. But it's all about. um, that idea of, like, being relentless um, towards getting that out, and that's mm-hmm. something that where I try to stick I to. I feel
2: like Daniel, that's, Daniel has a lot in common with that, where he's a musician as well, mm-hmm. and if something's not exactly as he, like, imagines it in his head, he's like, well, then it's not finished. And so that's he'll spend years songs. on a song, <laughs> and he's like, nope, it's not done yet, because yep. it's not what I want it to be. Yep. So that's the that's life of exactly musician. exactly how, how it Well, that's the be. beauty
1: of being an artist, though. I mean, like, because... Mm-hmm. I don't. I mean, it's magical. Well, I say magical it's divine. I think um, there are divine gifts that humans have, and and I I like to take the analogy of the Judeo-Christian creation myth. All right, and so you have Adam and Eve, and you have the Garden of Eden, and but before all of that, you have this week. It was like literally a week. It was a week where God was like, hey, it could have been God's spring break for all we know. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) hey, you know, I'm going to make something of of myself, you know? So he, he, for six days, um, he creates, for one day he rests, and then for the rest of eternity it's managing. Mm -hmm. So within humans... We have those skills, you know what I mean? And a lot of times we don't really balance them out. And some people are just excellent managers. And a lot of people out there are excellent managers. Some people are just really good at resting, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the, but there's, the, the idea of creation, taking something that wasn't and making it into something that is, is no less than pure magic to me, or no, no less than pure divinity in that respect where it's like, hey, man, that's that's something that not everybody can really do, not everybody can really control, so you have to kind of be pure to what you're thinking. If not, then it's it's going to be like the Internet where everybody's contributing contributing a little bit at a time. Mm -hmm. It's great that it's moving at the speed of thought, but we have no control over what is really going to be coming out or how anybody's interpreting that, so that's why we have a lot of these um, kind of blatant glitches that happen in society with the Internet. Um, so I, I try to like think about it like that when I'm creating too especially this latest album I'm working on It's um, it's been the first time I've actually spent like years in the making trying to get something out and that was a, an interesting experience but essentially what happened was life happened and the band kind of like shifted members and, and then like we went from having like a group to being like solo to still trying to go out and gig and make enough money to pay for everything and and the whole grind aspect of it. And then there was times when you're like, well, man, I don't know if I'm going to get this done. And I sit in the studio for, um, I mean, literally, man, like I go there, sit in there a couple hours and just try to work out what I'm trying to say. And then I think to myself, like, man, this isn't going to work out at all. And then finally I get the rest of the idea layered over top of that. And you're like, yeah, I knew I was onto something. Yeah. I knew I was doing it, <laughs> but it didn't have everything. So I was just kind of frustrated. Mm-hmm. and." And so now, like I'm, I'm, I'm super excited to have everything layered out, and have the music the way I want it. So
0: mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, it's fantastic. It's a great feeling. Do you work with a producer, or uh, do you do everything yourself?
1: I work with um, Tommy Bailey from um, he has Riot City Studios, but he, he, he does a lot of work with me together. I mean, so I would say I'm like literally producing it. He's doing the engineering, the mixing, and mastering mm-hmm. of it. But as far as like the arrangements and the, um, the concept, the of how to put the songs together. That's really kind of laying back on me as a songwriter, and then mm-hmm. being so being a songwriter, and then the performer, and then kind of managing the instrumentation that's coming in, the the musical director of all this. It it, it can be a challenge, especially trying to create music in this area where everybody's musicians are real hand to mouth around here. Yeah. So it was like, oh, you want to come out and record this, and he's like, well, I got to work at whatever I got to work at, yeah. And you're like, well, man, I guess that might be another month before I can get a chance to get mm-hmm. this person over to the studio or I got to find somebody else. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun, but I, right now I'm in this, a super collaborative mode where, because I guess I've probably spent like the last couple years in my head, like working things out myself mm-hmm. and I feel confident on how to express myself, which was a, the, something else that I didn't think I was going to get out of it. Um, now I'm more into like just collaborating, taking what people are saying. Obviously if we all have the best interest of the finished product at heart, then that adversarial um, notion of who that ego, whose idea is better, mm-hmm. you know, can, can kind of go by the wayside. And even what we do is we do this A-B test, and I, it's, it's a simple test that anybody can do. If it's, it, I recommend this to anybody that's in a band or starting out a band or has several writers in your band. Play it both ways. Your gut's going to tell you. Which way is the better way? You're going to hear it, and mm-hmm. you're going to know. You're going to have that feeling. Whatever feeling gets you super amped up is probably what you should go with, yeah. not just what you
2: want. You know, That's the psychology of flipping the coin to make a decision. But while the coin's in midair, you're like, gosh, I hope it lands on tails Yes, yeah. this is what I really want to do. And then when it lands, it doesn't really matter because you're like, okay, now I know what I want. I
1: already know what I want to do. That's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. And, and the whole idea of it out there like that, that, that's a way to get interject with that um,
0: clever, it's a capitalist thing he's doing. there. He's like yeah. he's
1: adding fiat currency into that.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like how you bring that up. That, that's how we lost our fantasy football this year. Did I? Did, yeah. Well, I remember flipping the coin. You, yeah, because I was, I was struggling with what defense to start, and it was me and him in the finals. Oh, uh, yeah. Or whether I should start him or not, because I was already up. And he's like, let's flip a coin. And so he did it. He's like, well, what what did you want it to land on? Were you playing each other? Yeah, yeah we in were finals. in the finals of the fantasy <laughs> football. And my defense ended up scoring like almost 30 points. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. And I beat him. How much did I beat you by? You beat
2: me by like 150 like, yeah. points. It was oh, so yeah. Stupid. I destroyed him. <laughs> oh, nice. He had one of those weeks where all of his players scored 30 points, and we're not going to talk about it anymore. <laughs> hey, <laughs>
1: Aristotle man. Jones. No, no, man. <laughs> fantasy football is serious stuff, man. You've got to learn about the game. That was the tricky part. about it. You can't like casually play like fantasy yeah. football because fancy football is completely different than like football yeah you know you oh, gotta yeah. be like i'm a statistician i know these people are playing against the run and their they're strong safety's out this week and his what's going on you're like well,
2: geez, and it man. doesn't matter which guy can run a 4-4 or which guy can nah. do this yeah. maybe you pick up a backup on this team that's better than the starter on this team and yeah it's
1: it's, it's all about matchups and, yeah. and opportunities and i mean to revert back to music, it, it's really similar to that type of thing. How how you take your opportunities, and and for me with like the because I played a lot of restaurant and like um, family friendly shows versus the venue shows. Now I even go into different venues um, around different places, and as I travel to different cities. You can kind of catch their vibe. Mm-hmm. So now you're bring you're starting different songs to get different reactions, to, so that I can still take my um, get my message across. So it's like I might not. Um, I'll put out the same original songs because those are like my songs I want to play those everywhere. Of course, I'm going to yeah. just like yeah. blast them as much <laughs> as I can. <laughs> yeah. But the cover songs that I might choose, and a lot of bands don't know as many cover songs. Um, you know, but I probably got 60 or 70 cover songs that are just like, oh, well, we could play this and we've done unique versions of it. So when you're playing like a 45-minute set and you're like, "Hey, let's do that version of that song that maybe nobody was paying attention to at the restaurant." But you know, it's a killer version of that cover, yeah. and then you play it. and They're like, "Oh, wow, that's awesome!" And so now I'm like, for me, that's all about how to create content and how to own that because it is something that we have. But it's also like, you know, what do, what do you do? It's a different it's a different skill set. Mm-hmm.
2: I, th- I think that's a lot of things that bands struggle with. Uh, is the set list mm-hmm. and I mean, you've mentioned you've played restaurants and you've played. Like four hours at a time. Oh, yeah. That yeah, means yeah, it, you have it, it, a catalog, and if you play uh, a cover, let's say a 90s cover, mm-hmm. and nobody reacts to it, you think, okay, maybe not go back to the 90s. And then you play an 80s cover, and everyone's all about it. Mm-hmm. And then you're, you're like, okay, okay, I, we, we have four more 80s songs, I know. And then yeah. you're just like, you, you can adapt on the fly. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, like, I, what's really been an interesting, um, what I like to do. And to me, it's interesting because I watch it happen. And especially like in West Virginia and, and like when we play like beach towns, what happens is it'll be kind of like an all ages crowd earlier. So you got a certain kind of material that mm-hmm. you're playing right at the beginning of your set. So we do a lot of... um Um, like Motown, like a lot of like, um, really commercial, maybe like contemporary pop songs that you hear, nothing that's pushing it too hard, but you know, it's a good song. Everybody likes it. It's not going to, um, it's not going to change your life specifically, but it usually makes everybody smile. And, but by the time we get to, um, you know, three and a half hours in, like now it's the party crowd. And the party crowd wants something completely yeah. different than <laughs> and if you try to play any of the stuff you played at the beginning, it doesn't quite work. So all yeah. of a sudden you're playing like just some super dance music and it never fails. Like I I, I will have probably gone a whole set, never played any hip hop at all. And somebody's like, Can you play some Lil' Wayne? And you're like, All right, let's play that song we did that a few days. <laughs> because like too, it's fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you you get into it and but it's not exactly what you want to put out there. Like mm-hmm. cause it's hard, you don't want to get pigeonholed into um something you're not.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and so it's easy and that was the thing about like live music in the area that really it it's it's been confusing to me because like there's yes, there's more opportunity for live music, but the the audience isn't necessarily engaged with the creative music makers around. Mm-hmm. So it it's in in the venues that you can play. So you might be able to like, oh, I can go get a gig at, say, if you're in Morgantown, you know, I can go to Tropics or I can go to Crab Shack and there'll be a big crowd there. And, um, but then you go there and you're like, well, I can't really communicate my message. I'm Mm -hmm. here for entertainment. I don't want to just be a jukebox, but then you're like, well, we got to pay rent. So we're going to do this. And so I I lump it into a couple different ideas. So one would be like your service gig. And so your service gig would be like, hey, man, if you're paying me enough money, I'll pretty much play anything that you want. I'm a musician. I sit at home playing music for free. Mm -hmm. So, you know what I mean? I don't mind coming out and performing, using my music as a service talent. Uh, It's just like anything else. It'd be like just like having a day job. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like I I can type, so I might go type papers. Um, And then there's your artistic gig. And for me, like the artistic gig is, it's so much more fulfilling. And you... But it's really about getting what you want to say across and hoping that there's somebody there that can connect with it. We played a show um in at 123 Pleasant Street. It was a week ago, Thursday or a week from this past Thursday. And what was really cool about it was 123 Pleasant Street, if you've never been there, it's kind of hit or miss. You never really, if you got a big crowd that you know is gonna come, mm-hmm. or if you happen to be like in the college scene and you know, you can get your buddies to come hang out, then they'll come there. But like if you're, it's like any other music venue, if you you didn't bring the people, they're not gonna be there hanging out versus a restaurant Mm -hmm. gig where there's just a ton of people they may wanna listen to you or not. So the idea of it, when we got there and we played and it was this fundraiser for, um, it's called the Sierra Club, which is about um, Appalachian conservation, um, green energies, um, just being good stewards of the place we live. And so I'm like, okay, we'll get there. I didn't know what it was. It really, I mean, somebody asked me to play it, and I said, well, sure. It's a gig. We'll go out, and hopefully, there'll be some people that'll like it. So I put this gig, together, this set together, thinking it was going to be like, like older people. You know, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that would be like I say <laughs> older people. You know, people that are just adults and grown and have jobs. Daniel's and, age. Yeah, and age. Um, <laughs> so I get there. And it's like a college club, and here it is. And it's just like, oh, well, shoot, here it is like literally like 70 college girls, and they're just ready to dance. And yeah. they're like, okay, we're gonna have to. And so, in the middle of the set, we were like, we're playing, playing, playing. And they were really, they liked it in the beginning. I was like, well, we just got to take this up a notch right. into like a different groove. So, we called an Audible, man, and we just shot it up to the dance groove, and like we just laid it out there as hard as we can. And, but we made fans, and I think we made fans, it was real because that was part of our material, but. It was the, the the part of the material that was a little bit more edgy, a little bit more um not so much just like your Appalachian singer songwriter style, but what you get when that Appalachian singer songwriter adds in different elements of funk and hip hop and soul and, yeah. and and creates that new stuff and, and then we so we play a couple covers that introduced to introduce that we're taking it up a notch and all mm-hmm. of a sudden it was a Perfectly great party, and it was like, well, do you, if we had kept going, would we have lost them with what we were regular the set that was there? I don't know. They might have really enjoyed that too, but it but it felt in a moment like yeah. it the energy that was coming from the crowd and the energy that was that we were producing as a band said, let's go ahead and take this up. And so that's one of the benefits of having a lot more songs than just the few songs oh, yeah. that you wrote. You and know? that's
2: that's versatility that you get from doing the shows that maybe. Like you said, you don't necessarily uh, not want to do, but that's not your goal. Your goal, of course, is to headline whatever concert and mm-hmm. be Beyonce, like you said earlier. But I mean, playing playing the Crab Shack or something like that, and you learn versatility from that, and then going to one, two, three, and you have knowledge of oh, we know this song. Maybe yeah. these girls will like it, and then you just you're off to the races from there. Now you have fans that are going to look up your original stuff. And site.
1: that and that's mm-hmm. the that's the main point of it obviously. Like now you have these fans and, and so, some people
2: won't play those shows that that's right. they don't like the the 4-hour sets those are Grueling sometimes. Oh so. yeah, uh, stuff. You get dehydrated. I've
1: cramped <laughs> up, man. Like, and you're hungry. You're hungry. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, and sometimes it's like out in the middle of the day, and it's like 90
2: degrees. No one's somewhere. paying attention to you. Yeah. They're just worried you about their breadsticks. And yeah, you, know. <laughs> you don't
1: think it, you don't think anything's happening. But then you'll get that one person that comes up and says, "Man, you did this, this, and this," and I was really into it. And I was like, "Well, man, I didn't see you anywhere." I mean, where were you when I was yeah. like really <laughs> out here in some existential crisis in my head <laughs> about is this even worth it at this point? But at the same time, it was, um, but those are the moments when um, you, you you say, okay, well, we are making an impact. Now, like, what I'm really focused on doing is I like to uh, consider fan conversion. And fan conversion is, an, it, you got to decide what you want. If you're going to make music, you got, just like any business or anything you're going to spend your life for, so your energy on, you want to decide what you what you're going to get out of it or what you're trying to accomplish and so a lot of times a lot of bands that i see don't really have goals for the year they don't really have objectives they want to hit they don't know they just want to get as many gigs as they can they just want to play as much in front of as many people as they can well and and that was the way that i went about it too it's like oh man i'm just trying to add money and uh, have fun playing music and I want to um, make sure my friends have enough money to pay their bills too, like that play with me so we can keep playing music yeah. together. And it became a lot about the administrative stuff, but it was like the idea of, um, well, if we determine what we want, then we know what we can get mm-hmm. easy. And then we know whether we're doing the right things to get that. So I was like, well, let's set last year um, I wanted to, I knew I was going to put out music. I knew I was going to, um, do I was going to travel around, so I had sat down at the beginning of the year with my um with the guys that I was playing with. I was playing with Drew Jones, Xavier Williams, and David Hayley. We were a quartet, and our group was called the Digital the Digital Nomads. And so we had gone around with, with the Digital Nomads and re, re, released an album. And I said, Okay, we're about to release another album. We just bought a van, um, and I was like, Okay, well, well I bought the van, but I was like, Hey, here's the deal, man, I, we have everything we need. Let's just set it up so that we're not just trying to do 60 gigs in the same place. We're running... Mm -hmm. Because you burn that out. I think if we can just do 60 gigs in 60 different places, then that's more fans. Instead of burning out those one fans, we just got to get in the car and go. And it was seeing... like Once I said that, it kind of um, um, took the... You you could see the look in everybody's eyes because it was going into uncharted territory.
2: Yeah, I guess and more serious.
1: It was more serious. And it's like, are we doing this or are we not? And so that and and so I was at, when when I put it out there, it, it kind of was like, well, you can see a couple people, couple members of the band at the time weren't really ready to take that step. And then um and so I was like, I was bummed out. And I mean, I really I asked like and so that group, we kinda had to go on a hiatus because like I was like, Well, I'm ready to go and everybody was doing something different and mm-hmm. so i was like man is this it, what's happening here man like and then and i l- literally lost my voice we had a gig down at um um the boulevard tavern we're kind of going back down well we're going back down there this weekend um but we had a gig down at the boulevard tavern and it was drew was playing bass and he couldn't make it and it, you kind of tell things were going shaky ground anyway it's just kind of decided he didn't want to go to that particular show. And um Xavier, well, he had start, he plays with a lot of groups, so you could kind of tell the weight of playing with a lot of different groups was getting on him. So he's like, I'll go, but you know what I mean? Like, I can't really do much more. So we got down there, and you're having this kind of this show where you're like, oh, this is just us winging a show and trying to get through <laughs> it, and it's fun, and and people in the audience, they, they saw it, and they liked it, and we did it. But um I was just, like, talking loud and kind of screaming over everybody, just trying to get – like emote that much that catharsis Mm -hmm. and um after that i like lost my voice and it just it was never back to um it was probably two or three months before i could get it back to being where i was happy with singing yeah well Mm -hmm. and it was too i mean part of it was healthy and i think part of it was just like that psychosomatic trauma of grieving for a lost project you know what i mean yeah. like i was like hey man we we put this together we got the music together we got routes we got the um we got the way to get there we we don't have to really work as hard and then so i had created this future in my mind that just wasn't going to happen so mm. like to associate to have the desire to work through that it wasn't quite there and then and i was living with my grandfather at the time and it you know, Granddad, he he really, he played music. He was an old-school musician, and what he would do is when he was my age and a little bit older, too, he would go to, um, he worked in a coal mine during the day, but him and his buddies, they would get together and they would do, like, this gospel doo-wop group called the Gospel Heirs. And so what they would do on um, different church, churches would invite them to come to their churches on Sundays, and it was the early 20th century. So it was kind of like segregated Jim Crow. Mm -hmm. So like it wasn't like, you know, so they would, he would go to these black communities from like Fairmont, Osage, West Virginia, Petersburg, West Virginia, wherever he could find like black churches and they would travel these churches and they would sing and they would get, you know, they called the fried chicken tour, you know, you get your chicken (laughs) and you get, you know what I mean? And you get, you get, they take him an offering for you. Mm -hmm. And it was fun, you know what I mean? Like for him, but he, um, he he would always give me this really cool advice. He goes, "Oh man, you gotta gotta do this. You gotta do this. You gotta tighten up this. You gotta do this." And um, he, after all that was going on, and I was trying to explain to him, and I would sit there and, and I would just talk and talk and talk. And of course, you have all these excuses why things aren't working out. Yeah. When the re- <laughs> In reality, the reason things aren't working out is just timing. You know, mm-hmm. not everybody was ready to do this at the same time. It's hard to get anybody on the yeah. same page anyway. So he would um, he was like, "Well, you know what, man? Just be yourself, man. Just be yourself," which was like a, a very you know, blunt, obvious thing to do, which everybody always tells you to do. Mm-hmm. But, but how it's, do you do that? it's super hard to mm-hmm. do. You know what I mean? Like, so, but I've been going on this journey for about, since about 2014, where instead of making New Year's resolutions, I was like, well, okay, I'm gonna make lifestyle themes that I'm going to adhere to or something like that. It wasn't like something mm-hmm. I had to do, it was just something I could, um, whenever I had to make a decision. I could rely on this thing. So I said, well, I'm going to start adding core values to my life. So the first one I did was I want to be the best me I could be. So luckily when he goes, say, be yourself, I had already spent, well, up until this point, it's still a core value of mine because you get them and you add it, you just add to your, um, to your toolbox. And so, um, but what, the tricky thing about that was like there's intended consequences and there's unintended consequences to being yourself. Um, one of the great intended consequences is, is like you are going to feel more alive. You're going to feel more engaged with the world around you. You're going to feel like um, you you have opportunities to be happy. One of the unintended consequences is if somebody doesn't like you, then they means they don't like you, and so you <laughs> yeah. have to you have you have to <laughs> take that and then like work that out for yourself. And so it was so first question I had to ask myself: I was working at Folly Music. Um, this is the flashback within the flashback, by the way. Yeah. So we're, we're back in right now. We're back <laughs> in two thousand fourteen. Yeah, thought within the thought. And um and so I had to ask myself, well, what, what do I do? What is it that I do? Like, am I a guitar player, am I a singer, am I a salesman? Am I just friendly? Do people just like the fact that I'm around? And um and that was real tricky because I, I was like, Well, man, if you let people tell you what you do, then they're gonna tell you what they think of you. But when I went through that, and I said, Well, what's the common thread between selling, doing like guitar sales or selling myself, running sound, um, play you know, writing songs, right, playing guitar, being a nice, friendly guy that people like to be around. And when what really came that all came down to is like, Well, man, part of that is because I'm creative, I'm it's not that I can do all I can make it all up as I go along, I'm creating these situations. So Mm -hmm. I'd hang out with somebody and I like, oh, I can see where you're coming from. I see what you like. I can be that too. Mm -hmm. Um, But instead of being myself. And so I'd lived many, many years of my life just kind of creating realities to fit into certain places. And I think that ties back into growing up in a rural area where there wasn't a lot of diversity and having to just make the friends that were around. And not everybody was actually receptive to being friendly to me for reasons that were either my fault or not my fault. And um, so, like, you you end up creating a lot of, of characters in your head that have different sets of skills. And so I took all those kind of different aspects of my personality and said, well, let's overlap lap them and see what is the thing that's a common thread. So that became creativity to me. I'm creative. So from the basis of being creative, that allowed me to make better thoughts about how to pursue and then that gave me my first tool to use so anytime I get into a situation where I would need to get out and so instead of creating a different sect of personality just to be I can say okay well no I'm a creative person I can figure this out and if somebody asks something about me and they say oh Aristotle who are you what are you what are you doing I'm creative you know what I mean it was easy to associate that and mm-hmm. I could be very confident with saying that so the next year um I went through and the next resolution or or core value that I add to my, my kit was the idea of um, so it was being the best way I could be. And then the next year was reaching my potential. Once I figured out what that was, you know what I mean? Like I was going to reach my potential. I was going to like apply that to everything I could. Boom, 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 here's creativity. So I leave the job at Follow Music and now I'm working for West Virginia Radio Corporation. And so I I'm, am I'm come in and learn how to do board up. I, I was doing promotions in the beginning. So I took a pay cut. Started working for like minimum wage at this job, doing promotions where I would drive around to um, businesses and set up a tent. Literally, the tent and the van that I drove were more important to be there than it was for me to be there. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. that means you know you, but you're like okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go do this. And um, so I, I went and I um I set that up. But one of the best things was I got to meet all of the um, business owners. Mm-hmm. That we would go to, so we'd play a car day- or so we go set up at car dealerships, and we'd go set up at um, um, banks and stuff like that. So all of a sudden, you're, I'm talking to professionals mm-hmm. about... So I'm learning this new skill set about what it takes to be successful mm-hmm. and reach your goals from people that are successful business owners just by having casual conversations. And I was selling um, my music, too, because when they talked to me, I would say, I'm creative, I'm a musician, this is what I have. So they started booking the bands that... When they'd have events at car dealerships or banks or the radio station, would book us for um, um for when they do parties at, mm-hmm. for New Year's. And I think uh, one of the funnest gigs we did was called Sarah's Slumber Party, and this was awesome because it was um, it's essentially like it was a women's event, and we get there and like there's like seven dudes there's like the two dudes that are setting up the stage (laughs) and then like the five dudes in the band Mm -hmm. and so everybody's like party drinking having fun all night long and we're over here playing and it gets this one moment in the night and we look up and like literally like there's just like a bunch of intoxicated you know members of the fair sex checking us out and we're over there we're just like yeah look at us aren't we just a stud puppy so i said well this is, must be what the beatles felt like yeah. every day you know? Yeah, I know you know so i got that was the first chance of time i got a when, glimpse into that
2: when you're really just walking through a women's prison you're only guy there <laughs> <laughs> well the, the thing about it was now, now it changed really quick this is where
1: i learned because um it went from the moment when the party was going on and then the party ended and then there was just a bunch of hungry women like, like, because they didn't have food, and so oh, there was God. just like hangry women. Everybody, yeah, everybody's just going around like, "Oh, is there any food here? Is there any food? Is there any food?" And you are like, "Do you have food? Can you guys take us to get food?" <laughs>
2: Aristotle <laughs> Jones, music and grill. Yeah, music, music and grill.
1: Dude, <laughs> next time, man. you know, just, hey man, I'll,
2: I'll hire you. you at, at least keep some beef zank. jerky in the car, right?
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there was. Um, so that was to re- so reach my potential. And so the next year was like, okay, let me get more out of life. Than I've ever gotten before. So that's when I started doing things. Um, I started listening to this podcast, um, the WTF podcast. Mark Maron um, does a really good interview, kind of an agenda-free podcast like mm-hmm. this. But um, the idea was it, it it's beautiful. And I recommend this to anybody. Have more conversations with people that you admire. Seek those people out. But if you have an opportunity just to like listen to your, your idols and your heroes tell their life story... Listen to as many of those as you can because what it did was that – back when I said, well, what what do I do? And I laid that – I stacked everything on top of each other and said, what's the common thread? Well, I took that skill set. I said, okay, what are these people doing? Like what's the pathway to success? And so what it was is once I started stacking all these stories on top of each other, there were um, redundancies. Like at a certain point, you're going to have to stand up in front of like somebody that can change your life and be able to articulate exactly how you're going to do it and then follow through mm-hmm. so it doesn't matter if you're going to ask your boss for a raise or it doesn't matter if you're going to um ask the girl of your dreams out but there's a, there's a moment and the sooner you can identify or lead yourself into that moment when you want to make things happen then that's how and then you've got to rehearse that and practice that and live in that and and go for it and like that it's a normal thing. It, it's a process. Everybody goes through the struggle. Everybody kind of has their, their dues and their hard knocks. And and then everybody has that moment and where they get what they asked for. And if you didn't ask for enough, you won't you'll get exactly what you asked for. That's mm-hmm. that's the craziest thing. You'll get exactly what you asked for. And um in the movie Um, the James Brown biopic, I think it's called Get On Up or something like yep. that, he there's a scene where Little Richard and James Brown are sitting outside of a Tasty Freeze or some type of Dairy Mart. And Little Richard comes up to James Brown and he goes, one day the devil's going to come knocking at your door. And ain't going to be a guy dressed up with um, pointy tail and horns and a pitchfork. It's going to be some dude in a suit mm-hmm. that's going to ask you, you know, what do you want? And you got to be able to tell him exactly what you want. And then they do a cut scene and the next thing's like, and he goes, oh, no, it was – um.'" So James Brown starts talking about, like, you know, the, the blue chiffon and purple suits, and then the cut scene, and the next scene is, like, here's this stage with, like, 30 people to just dance, and that's what he had in his mind the whole time. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if you can identify that, and then you can tell that to somebody that can give it to you or can make it happen for you or facilitate that for you, then, like, hey, man, like, it's right there for you to have. And um, so that was the year when I went into um, – I mean, the the main thing I got out of that was I needed to affect positive change in my life through having more income. So that was what I went in, and I, and I remember the feeling I got. I went into my boss at work, and um, I said, I got up in the morning, and I cut a mohawk into my head, and then I, I went in, and I talked <laughs> to the CEO of a, of a big media organization about giving me more money and giving me the opportunity to do what I want. Mm-hmm. And he said, great, let's do it. There wasn't anything, you know, the resistance wasn't there. Whatever... Only thing that was stopping me from getting there was me not being able to articulate that. So once yeah. I kinda got that out, here it was. Um and so I got that and then and then the next year really, like last year was all about momentum. You know, and, and I remember we had a show on New Year's Eve of 2018. And it was it was kinda it was it wasn't a great show. It was at this place that did do a lot of promotion. I'd promoted it a bunch. Um, they weren't really open that much, so we maybe had like ten or fifteen people there, and it was mm-hmm. like New Year's Eve, and there's like ten or fifteen people, and you're like, oh no, this is <laughs> like, how does that make you feel? But we hung out with the band, we got paid, we got, we ate good, we go back, and we're sitting at um, Drew Jones' bass player's house, and we were sitting there and uh, hanging out, and we start talking about what our resol- New Year's resolutions are, and I said, well, mine's momentum. And people were like, well, what does that mean? You know what I mean? Like Not used to hearing something like that. Yeah. And I was like, well, man, like I, I feel like I'm getting things going. But it was momentum because I was talking about with the digital nomads. I was like, hey, we're here in this group, and we're all hanging out together. It's on New Year's Eve. Here's this great thing we can do. Here's how we're going to lay it out. That we're going to get all this momentum, and this is going to take us to the level that we want to be on. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so – It was really hard whenever things didn't work out that way initially. And then so when I get back to my grandfather going, just be yourself, man. Then that took me back through all these steps that I had to kind of go through. So instead of being like, oh, I'm not going to travel around and and play music and all this stuff. I was like, well, no, man, let's just book the shows in Nashville. Let's book the shows in D.C. Let's book the shows in Buffalo. Let's let's travel to all these places. Let's go get out there. Let's get in the habit of going. And it doesn't matter. Let's do the gigs and make it happen You just got to do it as a singer, songwriter, a solo artist right now. Mm -hmm. You got to go and break down these doors yourself. It'd be nice to have like this big group of people and a lot of moral support so you're not hanging out by yourself on the road. But what I found out, man, was like from the beginning, from that May to that August, man, we had this show down in Nashville and it was me and Dave and uh, another guy that used to play with us, Ramsey. He moved down to Alabama, Huntsville, Alabama, which is about an hour and a half south of Nashville. So he's like, hey, man, I'll come up and do those gigs with you. And we're doing this um, this show that is, it's not the full band show. It's like this kind of like hybrid trio show with a mandolin, acoustic guitar, and a cajon. And um, it's real nice, nice harmonies, kind of has like a bluegrass folk Americana feel to it at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, he comes up, but then I look out at the audience and it was literally all of my friends that had moved away, that kind of lived in like the middle of the country, had driven two and three hours to come see us at, in, at this place in Nashville and so I never felt like more love and um and and the fact of being like okay well man like this is obviously what I should be doing because um not only have I gone out here and kind of put myself out there but at the end of putting myself out there here's all these people that came and said man you're doing it right hey man yeah. we got your back we got your back and um so that was a big moment moving into um kind of I, I was tired um because I'd try it was going through all that, but then it was like okay i'm gonna put out um we i, I we're also do um i'm the entertainment director for uh, haunted house rich fright farm and that's that's where we met and then mm-hmm. um and so I had to book a thirty um a 30-day fest, I mean, essentially a 30-day entertainment series. I just got off of yeah. the road and then I was like, and they, they kind of got me the information late and they wanted to start two weeks earlier because it was like Friday the 13th so we have six weeks of um shows and I'm like, oh man, I got to get all these booked and then my grandfather had kind of um taken a turn for the worse. He, he got like this small little sore on his foot that he wasn't healing because he had poor circulation and so it went from him having like a sore on his foot, and us planning to go like on a beach vacation, and him going to these gigs with me, and just like hanging out, having fun, just being bachelors on the road. To um, now, he's had like three amputations in like oh, wow. eight weeks, and then he's going like, man, I just wanna, I just wanna be done with this. He's ninety years old. He's like, this mm-hmm. isn't how I want to be getting around and and so my grandfather is extremely like ill and kind of checking out man I got a full-time job at the radio station I'm working over there I'm the creative director doing a bunch of um but bunch of work it's football season it's like a busy time there Mm -hmm. I just got off the road with um um, from playing a bunch of shows, traveling around, and then I'm looking at this entertainment series and negotiating with bands and I'm just like in the world's worst mood, man. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. but at the same time I'm um um I mean I'm excited about things that are going on, but I'm just not really even associated with reality. I'm just like just throwing out, just like work, 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 yeah. work, 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 work. And um and so I get to um finally get through all that, get to November and um had finished up. So, I mean, I found some time to go in the studio and finish a couple of the tracks that I wanted. And I said, you know what? I've got to put this song out now. now now's the time. I mean, like, this is like, I have two months where I don't have anything, but it's kind of like our slower time. It's like, well, man, I'm going to put this out and I got to get people to hear it. I can't just put it out. I've put in too much work to just put it out. <laughs> and hey, hey, guys, there's something on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's there for three days. So I'd, um, through a lot of those road conversations that you had, like I told you about, and, and talking to different musicians and kind of trial and error, I'd um, kind of came up with a game plan on how to do digital releases better and how to um, how the business of actually releasing music works. And 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 it's changed a lot too. It, oh, it has. It I mean because like your your turn and the burn time doesn't really last a long time um unless you're getting it pushed in multiple segments so like and even if you look at somebody like j-lo so like j-lo's run up to the super bowl man as, soon as they knew they were like we're going to do a campaign to get you to be playing the super bowl so we're going to start two years beforehand and start putting you in this and start releasing all this stuff and you're like well how can that person have all this stuff happening yeah there is some amount of um incidental stuff and coincidental stuff that's just happening when you're doing it but you're like well man here's an album here's a book here's this here's this um we're gonna have you guest host on this and guest host on this and you gotta build your momentum up to that mm-hmm. release it and then you gotta like support it and so i started reading all about how to do that better and it was a simple it was neat about it it was something simple like maybe like a sonic sonic bid. um Email or a um, Spotify email that they send out to artists every once in a while that was just like, "Hey, here's a tip and trick on how to release music." And I'm like, "Well, shoot! I can't believe I've never like sat down yeah. and <laughs> and gone through the like these steps before."
2: Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting that you bring that up because uh, I'm a big video game nerd. So I was watching a streamer play Fortnite yesterday. His name is Nick Marks, and uh, one of the people in his chat, he has like twenty thousand people in it, but he says. I'm I'm trying to become big like you. I'm trying to be a millionaire doing video games, what I love. So, okay, what's your plan? He said, Well, I release I stream every day, I do this, I do he's okay, everybody does that, mm-hmm. but what's your plan? And he's mm-hmm. like, No, I like I put stuff out on YouTube and he's like, Okay, everybody puts up stuff on YouTube, but what's your plan? Yeah. And so mm-hmm. he kept asking him that question. He's like, No, that everybody does that. So it's really cool to hear I mean, this is a plan that you started years Years ago ago. where where you're like, okay, I gotta, I gotta do this. And now that I've done this, okay, I gotta add this. And now, I mean, you're, this is all this work put together and now you're looking forward to 2020 Mm -hmm. and 2021. And you think, well, I gotta do this. And that, that will set you apart just by yourself where you have a plan and you even mentioned you had a plan fall through and you kind of were falling for a second. You're like, what, what do I do there? New plan. So you, come right back with it and that's cool to hear you say that because you mentioned how you look at other successful people Mm -hmm. and he said well there was a video game record there's a kill record i saw it had one million views on youtube i decided i could break that record yeah not everybody could but i could so i went and i broke it i got a million views on youtube and next thing you know here i am and he's like and i i streamed at different times so i didn't rival different other people but that's that's in any creative outlet where you're Mm -hmm. you're in West Virginia, which might not be the best launching mm-hmm. point, but you have a plan. You're doing things different. And here you're you're pushing the envelope just in the best way you know how. And then yeah. you're learning as you go. And like you said, even looking at J-Lo, you think maybe if I'm playing the Super Bowl one year or whatever the or, case yeah. may be. Or even just a big show in West Virginia. I have a plan where, <clears throat> I mean this podcast that can be part of it the, oh yeah and well
1: the, it totally is like and, and that was i mean it's exactly what you're saying like the idea of of planning and having the goals to i mean this is your life and i and i can't and, and this was something that i it was really i don't know if it's midlife crisis or if it's like just a, a moment of awareness like i'm sitting in my job and i go up to the front desk and somebody says something to me man it was just one of those days when the people and you know, the, the normies, as I call them, are just like being a bit more normy, you know. Yeah. They're, they're, like,
2: ah. It wasn't quite as nice as the girls and the, the drunk girls from the from yeah, the-
1: they, they, <laughs> it wasn't the same feeling. Yeah. And, and, so, <laughs> and so, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, man, if I want to, um, like, let's just say, and I think a part of that too was my, my grandfather was, um, kind of you, you could tell it was like the term for the worst. And I, and I thought to myself, I said, well, my grandfather is, um, 89. I'm not halfway to 89, but you never know when you're going to um, pass away. So I go, I go, man. Like, let's just Mm -hmm. assume that I got about halfway through my life right now, and like, and I got like the same amount of time as I have had up to this point. Well, man, I want to make the rest of my life the best of my life. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I want to, I want to be engaged in the things that I've done up to this point have gotten me this. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So if I'm not specifically happy with what those things have given me, or if I'm not in the space that I want to be at, or if I don't feel like I'm moving in the right direction, I can be an active participant in my life. I can steer the ship. And that was the whole idea of like the planning or or what I call, you know, this trajectory, like the idea of like, think a bit farther out, create a larger arc. And and this is what got me to that. This was like kind of a really trippy, trippy thing, because as an artist, you'll have these moments where you create something, you, you don't know if it's of any value or not. And so... I said, well, man, what do I want to be? What's the story I want to tell when I'm 60? And I said, man, if I tell the story of I spent the next 20 or 30 years traveling around playing music and talking to people, and then, then like, that's probably, like, a really awesome life, man. I can't – I mean, like, to me, I was thrilled. I was like, well, I man, mm. what, I mean, what else am I going to do? Like, I mean, yeah, it's great to buy a house, and it's great to have a big family, but I, I was like, well, I don't have that. You know what I mean? Like, I've, I've obviously been making these subconscious – decisions or, you know to 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 lean into this so let me like really embrace this future and then and like you said when the guy goes what's your plan like so going back to this year my new year's resolution or my new year's um set. well let me i'll, I'll go back so it was november of last year no not 2019 i was like i gotta release this music and i said go here's what i'm gonna do i mean i work at a radio station so i kind of have an in but like it's it's what I do during the day is I produce audio commercials like for radio. So I take things that people don't want to hear usually. And then I try to make them interesting enough that yeah. you want to listen to them. <laughs> and, um, and so I said, okay, well, man, I'm kind of this, this glass ceiling where like I have tons of content on the radio. People hear my stuff every day. I'm probably the most wa- of of artists in, in Morgantown making or in North central West Virginia making Stuff content. My content is probably heard the most just because, like, I have stuff on radio every day, but it's not the it's, it's not, not the art, yours. it's not my art, yeah. it's my commercial aspect yeah. of it. And, yeah. um, and so I was like, Well, man, I want to, here's what I want to do I'm gonna, if I'm going to release these songs, I want to actually do a release. And so, I, as soon as I really committed to that, knew I was going to have the material done, I was like, Man, I got to go in and I got to start pitching to these DJs and program directors and everybody that I know and say, hey, man, I just need you to do me a favor. I don't need you to play my song all the time. I don't need you to fall in love with my song. I just want people – I know it's a really good song. I put a lot of work into it. I know it will have a positive impact on people's lives. So if you can just play it, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like If you can just put it out there, then the rest of it will be okay. And so like – it was really good. I mean, I did radio interviews and TV interviews, and had my song debut on the morning show for VAQ, and and people, and so like all of a sudden, the social media ticks were going up, and and people were coming out to the show. and People had a different perspective of what I was um, doing. It wasn't any different than what I believed in myself, but I was like, hey man, like here's that moment. Here's another one of those moments where you got to ask somebody mm-hmm. to. Do you and what do you want do you want them to play your song all the time well maybe they will they maybe they won't but if you just say hey man will you play it and then if people call they'll
2: and ask for yeah, it you, give now people you have the it. chance yeah. to ask for it yeah to get it.
1: people to, yeah they weren't hearing it before like you know, or and so you put it up on like Facebook or Instagram or it's on YouTube well YouTube's super passive man like how you're gonna get it Spotify you might get into a playlist you have no clue who's listening to mm-hmm. it um but the song I released was a um it was a personal remake. Uh, West Virginia Hills, which is one of West Virginia's uh, four state songs, which I grew up listening to since I was, or not listening to, but they teach it to you in like elementary school. It's like, oh, the West Virginia Hills, I'm mag- majestic and I'm yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, the hills, beautiful hills. And it's really like cool for 1885. You know really? what I mean? Like, yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I wanted to do something, I wanted to create a much more timeless version of it. So what I did was I took a, um, uh, a doo-wop style put like some blues elements over it and gave it a really soulful delivery and and um and just wanted to create something that people could listen to and it still had that retro feel to it but it wasn't um it, it was i changed the lyrics up so it was just more about like what it means to have grown up in west virginia and still have pride and as you go out into the world um, you carry that pride with you. It, it, it wear it as a badge of honor, not mm-hmm. as like a, um, a a point of shame. He's like, hey, man, I'm from West Virginia. Of course I'm from West Virginia. And that was something I learned when I was traveling around was I was an ambassador for the state. I'd tell people I'm from West Virginia and they wouldn't believe me, but by the end of the sets in these places, people would be like, yeah, West Virginia, woo! <laughs> and you're like, yeah, man, that's me. I'm your Appalachian soul, man. That's me. This is the music, you know? like." And people could, they grabbed onto that because it was authentic, and so once that came out, I kind of had a lull there where I was like, well, what do you do now? You know, now it's out there. You kind of have that big peak. I did what the um, the article said, you know, try to promote it four to six weeks in advance. And then you have six weeks afterwards where it's kind of still hot and burning. And so I was like, okay, I did the shows. And I was like, well, now I got to book a tour, like, and I got to finish up more music. And the, the buzz kind of wore off. So you got to yeah. deal with that. And you're like, I got to get more of that. So... Um, I was like, well, what's my New Year's resolution going to be this year? And I, and it's um, turn up the volume. And that's both in amplitude and in quantity. And the idea of it is it takes all of these skill sets and all these tools that I had for the last um, four or five years, put them into it, and then just be more of that. Mm-hmm. Scale it. Scale it to another level. And, um, and so that's where doing the guided meditations came in and learning how to manifest my um, – what I want to so identifying what exactly I want out of my life, and and I could do that long term. I could do that uh, medium term. I could do that immediately, like before the show that um, I was telling about with the fundraiser. I sat down and I meditated just about what I wanted the performance to be like, how I wanted people to be receiving, who what I wanted out there in the audience. You know, I said I want to see a full crowd of people where the they're trying to get in. There's not a room, and you look up, and all of a sudden it's like a full crowd of people, and and they uh, the question is like first you manifest. So it's think about what you want think about how it makes you feel. Now think about what you want a different way and does it in what still gives you that same feeling. So you can't control who's in your audience and, you know, you know, whether it's young, old, you know, college students, you know what I mean? Like a, a mixed crowd, but you can't control the energy that you put out to them and, and the, the, um, the conduit for your, your, to be a fan and be a performer. And so now, um, through my goal this year is I want to play in front of 10,000 people and I want, well, I want to convert 10,000 fans and I want to um, perform on mountain stage. So those, those are like very specific tasks, but mm-hmm. like if I can convert 10,000 fans and like the chances of getting on mountain stage are oh, much yeah more significant. Right. Yeah. So also I want to, um, I had, I had to change the business model and in the structure for how we make money because I was like, well, man, I'm having a hard time being consistent in taking out the band all the time because not all the venues want to pay enough for you to take four or five guys out. Mm-hmm. But it's so important to the fan conversion that the arrangement be right because if you're hearing these smaller portions of it, you're not it doesn't over yeah. it doesn't give you the same thing mm-hmm. it's kind of like you were saying when you produce something or write a song and it's not
0: it. not exactly what you want you
1: know? yeah and then so they don't mm-hmm. get it and they yeah. just see me trying to say oh that that would be good if mm-hmm. and that's what you try to avoid the whole time as an artist is like somebody going like oh man that would be really good if you did this and you're like well no man i just want you to come up and be like wow man like that yeah. was something else that you just blew my mind and so um in order to have um <coughs> My band be out there with me more mm-hmm. often. I had to find a better way for the free fans, the people that were coming out to dinners and, and restaurants and, and maybe like just dive bars over there not really doing to support the band. They just showed up. How do you convert them into um, paying fans? So, yeah, you have your CD and your music and they can buy that. But that's still like a one-time purchase. Yeah. You have your T-shirts yeah you have your all these different things they can buy that, but it's like really that's a lot of work. it's a lot of salesmanship, you know I mean yeah. you spend a lot of time hawking peddling wares and um so what i decide, what I'm doing this year as part of my fan conversion is going through patreon mm-hmm. and Patreon's really fun because it's the idea of it is you get your monthly subscribers and but it the thing about it is like there's these tiers level tiered levels so that you can support at any level you want to support. But the idea is, like, would you pay... If I can get 10,000 people to give me $2 a month, and they're paying that for um, some subscription they have to something else that they don't even know they have. Mm-hmm.
2: a yeah. um, <laughs> yeah, membership they don't use. That, yeah. They don't
1: they use, and, that, and that's <laughs> literally only $20 a year or $25 a year. So I want to get people to... Which would be the price of like a hoodie or or a vinyl record? Yeah, yeah. But so the idea, what I'm doing now is um, releasing a song monthly. So by signing up for the subscription, you you get a monthly song. When I travel around on the tour dates, like I um I'll sit down and I do like little interviews and snippets to talk, you know, the conversations that the band has. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course you got to change and alter that to see what people want. But um, the idea it's like I want to give you something. I don't want to necessarily force you to have to buy a CD. Say I met you. While I was playing at Myrtle Beach. Well, man, I may not ever see you again. But you can sign up to support me and still get music and be a lifelong fan. Mm -hmm. And I don't ever have to see you again, but you'll get, like, live performance shows. We video. We stepped up our content level for that. Um, We stepped up our content level for, like, just little snippets. There's photos, doing photo shoots. And all all of the things that you do when you support on Patreon Or support me through if you wanna just donate something at a show or if you wanna purchase something at a show. It's just creating better content. It's Mm -hmm. not specifically for me to live some kind of like lavish life. It's so I can bring the band out because Mm -hmm. if the venue's only paying us two or $300. There's only so many $300 gigs you
2: can do. Especially split five ways. Split five ways. And that's yeah. that's food and gas on the way there, and that's it.
1: Yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. there's not enough weekends in a, in a year to make that. So you always have to be confined to having your day job. Nine so, to
2: five and then. Yeah.
1: So I'm thinking, well, man, you start off the month with $20,000 working capital. Man, that means I can produce a high-quality video. That means I can spend time in the studio. That means I can pay the band. That means that we can go out and do shows. Mm-hmm. That's not me like going, oh, I'm making like $20,000 a year. It'd be great to make you know, a yeah. quarter million dollars <laughs> yeah. a year, right? <laughs> but that's kind of what it takes to to have music. And that's the, the expense of it because you are an artist. But I, I don't I, – I hate for any of my fans as I go along to think that they're not getting ample value mm-hmm. for, what, for what I'm putting out there. But it was like, well, man, you can like my music or not. But if you just like me and the fact that I'm somebody that's following my dreams, you can support just – the fact that you're helping somebody follow their dreams too. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: So that's kind of what we try to do here is all right, you've heard, you might have heard Aristotle's song on the radio, but do you know Aristotle? That's so right. Yeah. We try to dig deep and maybe they'll like you, maybe they won't. Hopefully mm-hmm. they like you, but I like you. <laughs> hey, either way, like I say, <laughs> you like my music or not, man. The whole idea of it is I'm sure you will. Like
1: if you're from this area, like it's tricky because I, it's new and unique, but it's familiar. So the idea of it is, it's like fitting into some of these venues and getting on bills with certain bands that might help you or festivals. People are like, oh, it's Americana. Well, I need something upbeat. You're like, well, no, it is upbeat. Oh, well, we like Americana stuff. Well, no, it's like that. We have those instruments. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and you're like, well, man, do you play like... Um, you know, we want something funky. I was like, okay, well, man, like, half the songs are, like, just straight funk songs. You know what I mean? Like,
2: but it just depends on... Um, breaking people's perception yeah. of you. Mm-hmm. Because I'm, I'll be honest, I heard you were playing with last year's model. And I thought, Does, do those two music styles go together? And <laughs> yeah. that's the first thing that came across my head. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you've completely changed my mind just sitting here yeah. where you said, we, we can do anything you ask us to do.
1: Yeah. And, and, too, it's like, it, it's something that I learned. People like good music. And uh, like kids, they'll identify with something that's good all the time. Older people will identify with something that's good all the time. They may not like what you're doing, but they can tell you if you're doing something
2: That's well done.
1: Yeah, Yeah. that's well done. And and I think a lot of times what bands run into is they're not good at running sound. And so it's it's hard to listen to. <laughs> some venues aren't good at <laughs> and so, running Some sound. venues aren't good at running sound. <laughs> yeah. So it's something, and that's when we learned, when we played in um, a lot of the restaurants, that was the first thing. First, it didn't really matter what we were doing, as long as it didn't sound offensive to your ears, like harsh, I guess is a better word, as long mm-hmm. as it didn't sound harsh to your ears, um, then people could listen to it. I mean, they may not like, if you're do, doing like a Venge Sevenfold or something like that, you know what I mean? Like yeah. they, they may not be into... That, but at the same time, if you're up there, like, I mean, like some of those um, heavier arrangements from some of these bands are like akin to classical music. And some of these, um, um like uh, what people in this area like a lot are harmonies. And that was, and I think everywhere, you know, like, but it, it's a bluegrass and it's a folk tradition. I took it back to like a gospel aspect of it, where to me... About to say the time my grandfather would have been going around playing um, the churches. Well, that was... Uh, There's two different porches on Sunday evening. After the, everybody went home to churches, they kept playing music and celebrated. But there was two different porches that people went to. West Virginia is really known for one type of porch, the bluegrass, the country picking folks, folksy porch. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, yeah. And that's what everybody thinks about. Hey, and that's where a big tradition of storytelling came from. The gospel songs just being sang, and that's a lot of the bluegrass songs are about. Well, on the other side of it, the coin on the other side of town. It was the same thing going on. The music was happening. It was soulful music. It was about love and romance and friendships and, and struggle. And it wasn't just blues. You know, I mean, it was it was still that folksy, harmony-type sound. And that's where you got, like, your early Motown stuff out of. You know what I mean? Like, that's where a lot of those people were coming out of the church and going mm-hmm. and creating this that early rock and roll sound. And so that was... Um, that's something. Once I really dove into that, that became the foundation for um, Appalachian soul music that I make. It's just, I like I like to say, it's a continuation on of early 20th century um, Black American culture, but it's also um, you you got to take like your pioneers like Bill Withers, who would be like somebody that was like in the 60s and 70s making that music. His songs were folk songs. They were groovy folk songs, but they were folk songs. There's had to do with an acoustic guitar sitting up there singing songs from West Virginia. Mm-hmm. That's no different than what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Like it's like it's just, hey man, this guy got to he sung Lean on Me and everybody in the world knows that song. Yeah. You know, he sung <clears saying throat> Use Me and everybody in the world knows that song. You know, it's not um, that's something that we should be proud of in the state. That's a tradition that needs to be carried on. That's a legacy that I think can be represented through contemporary artists and it doesn't have to just be the funky aspect of it. There's a very, um, soulful, spiritual, um, connective element to it. And so, but I mean, like I say, it's also, we're playing music in bars a lot of times too. So, yeah, you know what I mean? Like so. we just want to have fun. And, and, yeah. but as, but as I put out this music and as I connect with more audience, um, a larger audience around the, um, the country and hopefully around the world, they'll, um, They'll start to have a bigger glimpse in what it means to be alive in Appalachia in the twenty first century. It's a very um, integrated, global place where, like we, we do, we see what's coming from everywhere else. We have a lot of really uh, married influences where we blend a lot of genres on a regular basis. Just because the reason I did is because when you first listen to music, or whenever I was younger and you first listened to music, it was like somebody having. Um, a CD, and that might, they only have the one CD. It was in and then you have one CD player in your car, and it was like the one CD you are listening to, you put it in there, and then that's what you're listening to, mm-hmm. and everybody learns all the words of that song, and you're singing along, and that's how you became, became part of your group. Or the rate there wasn't a lot of different radio stations, mm-hmm. so, you know, there might be the country station, and there might be the pop station, and then there was like a talk station, and that was all you had, so if they weren't playing the song you liked on the... um. On the pop station, you switch it over and hope there was a country song that you could listen to, and mm-hmm. so I listened to other stuff like Garth Brooks and like Tim McGraw, and um, but in addition, I was listening to like Boys to Man and Shy, and then like you know in the early 2000s, thousand, you're listening to like um, Genuine and the Yingying Twins, and you know, yeah. like, and then it was like okay, it was the twenty teens, and then you had like this whole retro vibe where you had like somebody like Adele. Who's kind of, you know, who was like, oh, here's this interesting R&B soulful kind of sound. And then you have like Justin Timberlake kind of like getting into that. And then you have like somebody like um, um Chris Stapleton who's like taking like this kind of like this soulful folk idea. And now you have cats like Leon Bridges out there making music. And it's just like so genuine. And you're like, well, here's this great opportunity. There's this guy out of um California. I don't know if you guys listen to him. He makes a completely different style of music, but I think, man, like spiritually, I think we're we're very similar. And that's um, Anderson Pack. Uh, so Anderson Pack, he uses. Um, you should totally check him out, man. He he's a rapper, but he's more than a rapper because he's a drummer. Mm-hmm. But he's not just a rapper and a drummer. He's also can sing, can do sing soul, sing very soulfully, and he writes his songs and he blends these genres and he's not really scared to. To push the envelope on his sound, and so he just won a Grammy for like best hip hop artist. Um, get, got signed by Doc. I mean, was doing this stuff in like it was indie label for um you know fifteen years, and all of a sudden, um, two years ago, Dr. Dre signs him and goes, hey man, I like your stuff, and he's like, oh, I mean, you've been you listen to my music, you know, you know, like. So that's 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 the very coolest aspect of um creating and putting it out there, mm-hmm. that's different now then when i first started because we were burning i mean i think we think starts getting like we were burning cds or sending them off oh, yeah making them and packaging <laughs> Sent
2: tapes oh man <laughs> in
1: day. I, I never well i made one recording on cassette and that was um i wanted to we were playing just in down huntington there's a venue called the v club and they had just opened and what happened we were like the second band to play there and i said oh man i had this cool band I had a violin keyboard percussion sax alto sax trombone and then your rock trio so guitar bass and drums and i was like oh man i gotta get this music recorded and i was like well how do you do this so i got a board and i was like i'm gonna do your ox mixes in there and i got it <laughs> and i ran a tape out until the tape player and it was just like a, a like a two deck like dub tape player that i think my mom and dad had and i and i took that from them and then um, I played it and recorded it on that tape. And I was like, oh, listen to this, everybody. Wore that tape out. You know? <laughs>
2: <laughs> there's nothing more uh, crucial and exhilarating in your childhood lifetime where there's a song coming on the radio and you don't know when, but you got to be there and hit record yep. yeah. <laughs> so that you can make that mixtape. So, man, I spent many hours sitting next to... Oh, and then if you miss it, if <laughs> yeah. you miss it, you miss... Or the <laughs> DJ
1: intro. You go
2: to the bathroom for 10 seconds and they put that song on. You can't. Oh, you can't. no, man. Uh, they come in ruined. too
1: early, come in too late. Yeah, yeah they play it in between. <sighs> they say up after this, and it's like a bunch of commercials, and you're like, ah, you got to cue it back up, man. <laughs> man. I, <it's> de- <laughs> I mean, like, but that's that's the best part to me about music Um is that people will listen to, they'll find it. And mm. it, and sometimes we get so caught up now on the quality of it, like the fidelity of it, like how clear and crisp and everything and how well it's recorded. And then you listen to stuff like Robert Johnson. And if you put on like this early blues record and you just listen to it, it's like, oh, I'm singing the blues. Under. But it's like um, crackling and falling yeah. apart. And, <clears throat> and you're you're like, well, man, like, I mean, I, honestly, after a while, those cracks and pops go away, and I'm just hearing the performer sing the song because mm-hmm. my brain fixes those things. And And so there was like this big lo-fi push where everybody was just like, oh, we got all these recordings, but we don't have the high-quality mic. So we're going to put the, um, we're going to make songs and not really mix them down that well and just put the music out. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like your punk aspect of it. We're just going yeah. to like, hey, here's some sound. It's the like raw it or not. aspect of as it. well. Yeah. And, and, but people listen to it now, and you don't, um, you can't back away from it. You just got to, like, I say lean into it. So, I mean, that that's where I'm at this year. I got a, um, about a, well, let's see. I, I keep adding dates. I, at last I counted, um, between now and June, I got um, 17 shows booked oh, shoot. Um, <laughs> in 12 different cities that I'm going to. And now I'm booking traveling farther. It's kind of regionally around Maryland, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia. And then in... Um, July, I'm going to be going down through Louisville to Nashville, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, and then D.C. and come back over and kind of expand that loop down to the southeast. And then it'll be the end of um, summer again to kind of get back into the doing the Haunted House series mm-hmm. or possibly be on a completely different level. I'm, I'm hoping this leads me into playing larger festivals and get in front of more people. I'd love to tour, tour Europe at some point in time. You know what I mean? like yeah. That's something that... um. I'm trying to figure out where my timeline that falls, but I'm also looking for those opportunities because I can say I'll do it next year. But if I just put it out there and somebody's like, do you want to do it tomorrow? Then that's a decision that I got to be prepared to make. Yeah. Because that'll change Mm -hmm. your life and it may not be um, a life changing tour. You know, is this what I'm saying? So it's the idea of it is really, they might be like, you want to go to three weeks in Europe. And you're like, okay, that's great, but it's not like you're gonna do three weeks in Europe and you're gonna get paid a year's salary for yeah. it. So, do you no. want to go to Europe and play music for three weeks and then mm-hmm. come back and put your life together, <laughs> yeah. back together? Okay. So, so it's um.
2: <laughs> You'll definitely have to hit up Boston at some point and yeah. see if mm-hmm. you can collaborate Probably. with the other <laughs> Aristotle. Jones. Aj squared. Yeah. <laughs> that could you be know. the next time. Would, it,
1: would oh. it be a squared j squared? That's the uh, question. I
2: don't even know. You can I like A-J. put up the next two, two aj. <laughs> The, the next math, thing.
0: math jokes, old town gang
1: gangs.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh, before we get wrapped up, um, tell everybody where they can find you. Ed.
1: Oh, totally. So here's the best part. It is easy. If you go to aristotlejones.com, you, you have um, links to all of my social media and all of um, you have clips of my music. We post new videos up there after every show. There's a new clip of the, the last show we did at least one song from the show. Um, there's a way that you can sign up for our mailing list. You can also find us on Facebook, Aristotle Jones Music or Aristotle Jones Music WV. We're awesome on Instagram and Twitter and all your other social media. It's, it's different, you know, man, especially when people go out there and you, um, you try to get these usernames and Aristotle's got nine <laughs> yeah. characters, so that takes up most of it yeah. already. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so there are different variations of mm-hmm. Aristotle Jones. There might be a Jones Aristotle, but the easiest way to like really... Get hooked up on social media. It's just visit my website first. Go to aristotlejones.com. And your Patreon? Uh, well, it'll be set up at the end of the month. So just go, oh, okay, to, go okay. to aristotlejones.com, gotcha. and that'll give you all the links you need to have to um, crowdfund me as long as you want. Man, I say sign. Hey, honestly, you can do Cash App. You can do PayPal. You can do Venmo. It's
2: not picky. <laughs> <laughs> well, no.
1: Hey, man, I want to make it easy for yeah. you to support me. Like, it's not mm-hmm. hard, man. Make I'll give. Gu- I guarantee I'll make lots of music, and you'll be able to listen to it. You'll be able to talk about it with your friends. You'll be able to ask your friends, "Hey, do you know this guy named Aristotle? It's a great icebreaker." Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> you can you can if you see me out on the road, man, come and hang out. I'm, it, it's it, You know, man, we're all just people on this planet trying to make the best of the situation we're in, mm-hmm. and so like, man, it's like this. I can be good and you can be good too. I can be happy and you can be happy too. And I can be happy for you having everything you want. So I always say the more love we put into the more in the world, the more love there is in the world. So let's just fill the world with love and positive intentions. And let's move forward to have what we want. That's the only way we can counterbalance all of the weird negativity and, and um, zeitgeist that kind of gets put out there that we can't control. It's a lot of information. So, but what we can't control is how we treat other people and what we choose to create as um, as our mission or our platform in life. And everybody has a platform, even if it's just your neighbor that you talk to. So just, just continue to add positivity and figure out what it is we want, man. Tell somebody about it. And you never know, man, you could have that tomorrow. And that's just not blind optimism. Success isn't rare. It literally happens every day. Mm-hmm. Somebody hits somebody meets their dream every day i mean more than one person i mean if you were to say, if i were to tell you you have a seven and a half billion one and seven and a half billion chance of something random happening to you that's pretty likely in my opinion one and billion. i like those odds. you mean like you know I mean? like it's, it'll happen at least one time in seven and a half billion so i mean like make it your be, make it your time be you just follow through on your dreams set your plan just know you're living your life and it's your life to live. And you don't want to look back on it and be like, man, I wish I would have done this. You say, man, I'm, I'm in the moment. I'm here. I'm guiding myself through the way. I want to get to where I want to go. And if you don't know what it is, just start asking yourself questions about what you do, what you like to do. Um, ask the people around you, hey, man, what do you see that I always end up into that maybe – because they'll give you input. And then stay true to yourself as far as like um, your your objectives. And and break it down. It's like the guy on YouTube, man. Well, what do you do? Yeah. What do you do? Mm-hmm. Like, what's your? And it's not about making a lot of money, although that's what it seems like it's about. Because money comes and money goes. Money's like air. Money flows. If you use money to make money, they always say it takes money to make money. If you use money to make more money, you'll make more money. Mm-hmm. But if you hoard it, then you're not going to have it. It's creativity to stay away. If you use creativity to create more creativity which is just three creativities in a row. That's creativity. (laughs) (laughs) Then you'll have that too, you know.
2: (laughs) So I know you said you had 17 shows coming up. I'm not sure when this episode drops, but shout out some of those towns that you're going to be in, some of those dates.
1: So, man, it's really fun this year because, like, normally I would be in the same place. Um, And like I said, I've done a lot of shows, like, same venues. And I made a point not to do that very much. So, like, um, coming up, I see... This probably won't be out, but I'll be at um, the 15th. I'll be at the Boulevard Tavern in Charleston. On the 22nd, I'll be at Fall City Pub, and that's in Brownsville, Pennsylvania. On the 21st, I'll be at um, Short Story Brewing in Reevesville, West Virginia. Mm -hmm. Um, Those two are like solo shows. This show this weekend is a band show. Um, February 29th, I'm I'm teaming up with the band down in... um, Huntington called the Heavy Hitters. And we're doing a West Virginia Black History kind of like celebration of black artists from West Virginia. Mm-hmm. So we're collaborating with um, guys that play with the they played in the band called the Dividends, um, Alan Brown and Hannah Spurlock. And then um, the band that's helping us out is the heavy hitters. We're backing everybody up. And we're just doing like a celebration of that. And then we're gonna do that. Uh, So that's at Black Sheep Burritos and Brews down in Huntington on February 29th. Then the following weekend on March 7th, we're going to do it up here in Morgantown at Retro Teak. And that's on Walnut Street. And then um, 14th, we'll be at Maryland's on Main in Uniontown. And then August gets kind of crazy. We got a lot of of shows all over the place. We just um, signed up at the beginning of May. We just got put on a cheat fest and that's in Albright, um, West Virginia. And then um, we'll be at WV Pub Fest in May too. So there's festivals that are kind of coming up, venue shows, a lot of different places that you can come and see. I wanted to make sure I had a, like some all ages and family friendly shows mm-hmm. for people to come out and
0: because um, those are lifelong fans, man. Get them. Oh, oh out. yeah, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> and they can find all those shows at your website. Yeah, that's, right? it's
1: posted yeah. on the website. It's oh. my Appalachian Soul Man tour. So anytime if you get really lost and you can't remember Aristotle Jones, but you can remember Appalachian Soul Man, you can type that <laughs> yeah, yeah. in. Yeah. That'll
0: take you right there to me, yep. and we'll link all of your stuff in the description. Yeah, link it so up. If you're listening, just scroll down on your device and click one of those links. It'll take you right there. So, Aristotle, thank you for coming out. Oh, thank you yeah, so much. Man. yeah, man. I, I know is... I talked your ear off. You, got, you probably asked more questions, huh? <laughs> I mean, I I honestly, like, took a lot of what you said, and I'm going to apply it to <laughs> so, you. You know, wrote it all down. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to listen to this episode, like, 40 times, because I was just into it. Like, Dude, well, let's collaborate. Let's continue yeah. to
1: talk, man, because yeah. I think, I mean, we don't have to just do it on the microphone, but mm-hmm. if anybody's interested mm-hmm. in just ways to get more out of your life, man, just start finding people that are moving that direction and have that energy, you'll you'll know it, you'll see it. They have a look in their eyes, yeah, and 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 just start, just ask them what they're doing, and then and then they'll listen to you because like what I see was like the five habits of like successful people is it's a meme. I'm sure it pops up on your social <laughs> yeah, <I'm> media sure. <laughs> all the time. Follow those five habits of successful people, man. Be be have gratitude, um, jump, read, on people's more. More. <laughs> jump on people, momentum, learn more, jump on people. Yeah, man. But that's collaboration, man. Yeah. Open yourself up, but yeah, yeah. man. Ride the coattails of um wasted local talent. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man.
0: It's been fun. Oh yeah, totally. Thanks, it.
1: thanks for letting me ramble, dude. It's awesome.
0: Yeah, thanks for coming on. <laughs>